Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands and worship him. Every stronghold has been broken. We've been given the victory through the blood, healing, deliverance, soundness of mind. Glory to God. We love you, Lord. We praise you. We worship you. We thank you for the victory. We have the victory. We are steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And we give you the praise and the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, let's give the Lord a hand one more time. Glory to God. Glad to see all of you here today. All of our visitors met some of you. Let's give them a warm, warm welcome. We're glad that you are here today. Every Sunday, 9, 11 o'clock, midweek, 6.30, great children's ministry, great uh, uh, youth ministry with Dan and Kelly, and you will be blessed. And our children's pastor, Chris, give them a wave. Chris is eternally young, young and crazy. Your kids will love her, I guarantee you. We peel all the children off that come in here as fast as we can because we know if they listen to me for about 40 minutes, they don't necessarily want to come back. But if they listen to Pam or Chris over there, they, they want to come back. So we're going to make our confession for all of you visitors. Word of God is truth. And if we live the word, we will always, always be blessed and we'll always have the prosperity God wants us to have. This is a fairly new confession to us, so I have to kind of read it to you, but I love what it says. Are you ready? I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me. And I have the victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Can you say amen? You can be seated. Good to have all of you here. You are in the right place. You know, Jesus gave us everything that we have need of. If you're here today and you need healing in your body, it is the will of God to heal you. How many of you need healing in your body? Can I see your hands? Several of you. Keep it up. Keep it up. Now, believers sitting around them, just reach over there and lay your hand on them. Father, we thank you. We thank you that even as we point our hands, Lord, there's no distance ever in the realm of the Spirit. And we speak healing into every single person with their hand up. We bind sickness, we bind disease, and we loose the healing power of Jesus. That by the stripes of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, we declare healing into everybody. And we all said, Amen. Well, it's good to have all of you in the house of the Lord, I have been watching my wife for the last month getting ready for Easter with the worship and everything else that she is doing. And she would not appreciate that, but I think we need to give her a hand. She has been working. Uh, all the people, and, and I know, I, I know more. She said, how about all the people? Let's give all the people a hand. <laughs> it's been a, a labor of, of love and we're going to talk today about a love story. The Bible is a love story. From beginning until end, it's a love story because God is, is love. And God wrote this love story. And, and God just really revealed some things to me while I was praying over this message. And I'm going to share them with you in just a moment. But how many of you like to laugh? Can I see your hands? The joy of the Lord is our strength. And I heard this 
some time ago. I don't think I've ever heard it in this church. But if you're here today and you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your destination is heaven. And, and your days shall be long upon this earth. We know the Bible talks about 120 years. And so uh, how long we're going to live, we don't know. But it doesn't really matter because we know that when our days on this earth end and the journey here ends, we're going to be in heaven, alive and well. Chris is with us today, uh, Chris Campbell. Her mom, Brenda, went home to be with the Lord, breathed the last breath here, opened her eyes, and she was with Jesus. Let's pray for Chris. Father, we pray for Chris. Thank you for Brenda celebrating this Easter alive. (laughs) in full color with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we thank you for the peace and the wonderful memory she has for the rest of her life. In Jesus' precious name, and we said amen. So this old boy ended up in heaven, standing before the judgment seat, and the angels were there going through the computer. Do you know they have computers up there? You surely knew that. And, and they're going through the computer and said, uh, you know, we, we find no record of your arrival. Uh, this is not when you're supposed to be here. Uh, and we don't find anything about, you know, the good things you've done or the bad things that you've done. How many of you know there are going to be rewards in heaven? There, there will be rewards. And so we, we don't know how to process you. We, we, we can't find anything good or, or bad. You know, what's, what is it with you? And the guy said, well, I can give you, you know, something good that I did. And said, well, sure, what's that? So, well, I was driving down the street, and uh, these, these thugs had this uh, older man surrounded, and they were getting ready to beat him. And I jumped out of my car, and this biggest thug that was standing there had this earring in his ear and earring in his nose. And he said, I grabbed my ball bat, and I ran over, and I ripped that earring out of his nose, ripped that earring out of his ear, and took my ball bat. And I said, you're going to have to come through me before you beat this man. And the angel said, well, that's really good. We're going to put that down. That's, that's really good. You know, how long ago did that happen? So three minutes ago. <laughs> You, you never know when your last day is going to end and you're going to be there with Jesus as your Lord and Savior. None of us are planning to get there too soon. But the Word of God, and, and I'm just going to paraphrase uh, this message for you here. And you put up the scriptures as you hear them back there. But John 3.16 and 17. We always talk about John 3.16, and that's a wonderful scripture. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in him should have eternal life. But John chapter 17, I didn't get a hold of until after I got a hold of 16. And, 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 and I had to live in my life, I didn't have to, but I lived in my life with a lot of condemnation after I got saved. How many of you, you were like that? You got saved, you got, you, you, Jesus came into your heart, but you still had a lot of condemnation. It says that, that Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world would be saved. So there is really, once Jesus comes into your heart, there's no condemnation. And when you understand God's love for you, it'll, it'll set you free. Love is a deliberate act of the will. The love that Jesus had is the love of his Father. And, and that everything he did, he saw his Father do. And it's unconditional. It's a benevolent love. It's a love that is absolutely unconditional, and without conditions. So let's just say, no conditions. Turn to your neighbor and just tell him, God loves you just like you are. Now turn back and tell him, but he loves you too much to leave you like that. <laughs> he, he loves you so much, he wants to change you and bring you from glory to glory. And that if you understand and get a glimpse of this love, it will absolutely, absolutely change your life. 
And uh, in the scriptures, it's talking about how God wants us to have that same love. This, this was God's original intent through Jesus, that that love, when we would receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, would come in us, it would fill us, it would overflow in us, and that everywhere we go, we would have that love flowing from us. And, and I, I want to give you a definition of what uh, the, the, the scribes at that time trying to trick Jesus and a lawyer trying to get uh, justified so that he could go to heaven. The scribes came to Jesus and they said, what's the greatest commandment of all? And if you remember back in those days, it was the letter of the law that God had on the Jewish people because they were very difficult to deal with. If you ever wondered if the Jewish people were difficult to deal with by God, read the old covenant. Uh, he would bless them. He would bless them. They would walk away. He would bless them. They would walk away. They were, they were a stiff-necked people who had to have a law on them. We know that in the new covenant, the law has been written in our hearts. How many of you realize that after you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and after you received the Holy Spirit, you still did some bad things? Can I see the hands of all the people that that was you? But what happened inside you? You had the conviction of the Holy Spirit because the law had been written in your heart. Your spirit man had been reborn, and you didn't need anybody to tell you you were doing bad. You were a miserable wreck. Because the devil was condemning you and God was convicting you, you had the best of the conviction of God because that's his love trying to say you're going the wrong direction, you need to change. And when the, when the scribe asked Jesus, in, uh, it's in Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 12, asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment of all? All of you have heard this before. What is the greatest commandment of all? And Jesus said, well, w- w- to love God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, and all of your strength. And that then to love your neighbor as yourself. So he's talking about God's unconditional love. Everybody say unconditional. unconditional. Say God's love, God's love has no conditions. So we're able to love anybody, anywhere, anytime, because that love is already in us. We have that love. And so he, he basically gave them that and said that, you know, if you have this, you're not far from the kingdom of God, that this is the will of God, that you have this love in you. All of us want to have that love. All of us want to, to walk in that love. Let me see the hands of all the people. You would just love to have the love of God flowing from you all of the time, 24-7. Let's just say, it is the will of God. But sometimes we have a tendency to love the lovely. And that when everybody is lovely, we have a tendency to love them. Uh, If they get a little bit out of sorts, we have a tendency to try to withdraw that love or, or walk the other way. And there's another story I want to share with you in the Bible concerning love that is the story of the Good Samaritan. And this is what I wanted to share with you about my actual experience in studying this scripture this weekend. Uh, I have my favorite place to go pray. It's behind Walmart where you can look at the woods and you can see the deer every once in a while coming out. And uh, it's just all kind of private back there, and I like it. Every once in a while, a truck parks back there, a big semi, and they don't realize that is my space. And uh, so when I pull up, I very grudgingly say, I just love that truck driver, and I hope he wakes up quickly and gets that truck out of here, because that's where I park. And the deers will come out of the woods, and the other day I was over there, and 
I saw what looked like some guy walking through to the woods. I couldn't really tell for sure, but I didn't think much of it. And I went back to reading. But this weekend, I was studying about the Good Samaritan. It's one of the most powerful stories, I believe, in the Bible. When a lawyer came to Jesus and asked him what he had to do to inherit eternal life. A lawyer, a good lawyer today, never asks a question unless they know the answer. I don't know back in those days if it was like that or not, but it probably was because it said this lawyer was trying to justify himself. Have you ever tried to justify yourself? Have you ever tried to defend yourself when you were defenseless? In other words, you, you just needed to let it go and you just needed to get on. But this is basically what happened. And so when, when Jesus responded, he said, what is, what is your reading of, of the law? What is your reading of that? And he said, well, a man should love God with all of his heart, all of his mind, all of his soul, all of his strength. Let's all say, I know that. Turn to your neighbor and say, I know that. Now let me see if we got the right group right here. How many of you love everybody all the time without condition? Can I see your hands? How many of you wish you loved everybody all the time without condition? Okay, this is a service where we're going to get set free to be able to do that. So I'm reading the scripture and it's talking about, uh, and, and, and the, the, the lawyer said, well, who, who is my neighbor? Who, by the way, did you know our neighbors are here? Matt and Tasha, they, they probably don't want to be recognized, so, so they don't, probably don't want to raise their hand, but they're in the fourth row, all the way back there. Now they are, Tasha's, Matt's waving his hand. Yeah, give them a hand. We're glad to have you. They've got the most beautiful children. They are absolutely precious. But anyway, so, so, you know, he said, who is my neighbor? The lawyer's wanting to justify himself by saying, who do I have to love? There's some people here I don't particularly care for. So could you tell me who my neighbors are? You may, now we don't, we live next to wonderful neighbors, but you may live next door to a neighbor that's not so lovely. <laughs> Glory to God. But that's still your neighbor and it's still somebody that you should love. And Jesus responded, and, uh, and he told the scribe, he said, the scribe said, who's my neighbor? And Jesus said, well, let me tell you the story about a good Samaritan. Let me tell you the story about this Samaritan that, that was coming down uh, on the road, not on the road, but the businessman was coming on the road, but he was coming through an area called Samaria. How, how many of you have read about Samaria in the Bible? When you read in modern news and the papers and things like this, when you see all the problems and they call it the West Bank, that is Samaria. That's what the Jewish people still refer to it. It, it. It's called the West Bank because the people that live there now, the Palestinians and others, that years ago, and I don't want to get off on the track here, but, but that, that's where the Jewish people who had intermarried and intermixed and had all sorts of things that didn't line up with law, the Jewish law, they were an outcast. They would be like uh, to the Jewish people, lepers. They would be like people like, oh, don't ever go around there. Uh, that's certainly people you never want to be around. And they were outcasts, called the West Bank today, but that is actually Samaria. Uh, it, it has been uh, from the very beginning of, of time. And uh, so Jesus begins to explain to him that there's a certain man who is coming from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And on his journey, he is, is, is beaten and robbed and left half dead on the side of the road. And then he goes on to say that there's a priest and a Levite coming down the road. 
And the priest and the Levite apparently saw him because they went out of the way to cross over to the other side of the road. And, but then there was the Samaritan. And the Samaritan saw the same thing, but the Samaritan went to him and helped him, put him on his horse, put him on his animal, took him to an inn, took care of him, bandaged him, and said to the innkeeper, if there is anything that this person needs, I'll come back later and pay for it, and paid for the man's stay there. How many of you would like to be like a good Samaritan? Can I see your hands? About six months ago, I think it was six months ago, I was driving down by McDonald's, and there's a guy out in front of McDonald's on on Highway 26. And uh, he, he, he was a homeless man, I could tell. And uh, so I got a cup of coffee, and I just felt quickened to come back and talk to him. So I come back and talk to him, and he told me, you know, a really bad story. And I'm thinking about the Samaritan. And, uh, and so he's telling me this story, this really horrible story. I said, well, I said, maybe we can help you. I pastor a church. I said, you know, what is it you need? He said, I don't have any place to stay. So I took him to the night's inn. And uh, we have a benevolence outreach here that has forms and paperwork. Chris oversees that area. She does a great job. She only has one basic problem, and that's me. Uh, I've never been much into forms, never been much into procedure when it comes to that. My wife is shaking her head. And, uh, but, so anyway, uh, I put him in at the night's end. And, uh, and I just felt really good about it and gave him some instructions and gave him a little bit of money. And Two days later, I get a call from the nice inn that said, uh, you need to come out here. Uh, you owe us uh, $300 or something like that. And I said, what do you mean? I only put the guy in there with request for one night and one night only. And uh, he had other places where he was going. And he said, yeah, but he, he tore up a room and it's really bad. I said, well, that's not my problem. No, this is what I said. <laughs> I said, that's not my problem. <laughs> You're managing the place. And he said, yeah, it is your problem because you signed. And uh, I said, well, wait a minute. I paid. He said, no, you also signed. And uh, I said, uh, well, I, I didn't mean to sign anything other than to pay. <laughs> and uh, he said, you, you signed, your liable. And I said, I don't believe that. I'll just talk to the corporate office. I don't believe that at all. Well, I checked with somebody, and the guy was absolutely right. And uh, I was liable, and I signed for the church. So really, really, you were liable. <laughs> so I went out, and I said, okay, he's the nicest man, nice man, Mr. Patel. I really like him. And, uh, and, and I said, really, I'm really sorry. He said, I had no idea I was responsible. I just figured he was your responsibility after I gave him the end. He said, oh, no, no, no. If you pay the bill and you sign, you're responsible. I said, well, how much do I owe you? And he said, well, you owe me three. I, he ended up $240. And I said, okay, I paid for it. And I said, now in the future, <laughs> how could I do this so that I'm not responsible? Somebody else is responsible. And he says, in the future, don't send us anybody <laughs> unless you want to be responsible. <laughs> I said, I want to help without the responsibility. Well, I guess it doesn't really work that way sometimes. Now, I set the stage for this because I believe what I'm going to share with you is, is where we've all been at one time or another. I believe God assigns us people. And he'll bring them across your path. If he knows, you'll take care of them. If you're not going to take care of them, he's not going to bring them across your path. He's going to bring them across somebody else's path. But you're going to lose your reward. And God is looking for people who will reach out and love the unlovely. 
because nobody is unlovely to God. So I'm praying about the message today. And I'm saying that God, I always ask the Lord, I say, give me some kind of an illustrated example that makes it that I can understand and that our congregation will understand and not just reading the scripture. I should love everybody, but give me an example. And so I'm, I'm sitting there reading this and I thought, I wonder what, what was wrong with the Levite and the priest. You know, they, they were trained to, to minister to people. So what was wrong with them? Why would they have not have done that? Oh, maybe they were hurrying. They were, you know, they had something else to do. And, and the, it's a Samaritan. He just obviously had a love for people. And so I'm, I'm reading the Bible. I'm making my notes. And I'm thinking about things that I need to do for the day and everything. And, and, I, and I look up. And out of the corner of my eye, there's a guy coming out of the woods behind Walmart. And uh, he's, he's, I can tell he's, he's homeless and uh, just, you know, looks, look, looks homeless, looks like he had a tough night. And uh, I'm thinking, now, t- t- turn to your neighbor and say, this really isn't our pastor. <laughs> what I'm about to describe, I'm, and, I'm thinking, uh, and, and I'm thinking, this is what I'm thinking. If I don't make eye contact, I can keep doing what I'm doing. Because I'm into a message from God. I'm on assignment from God. And so I just don't make eye contact. I continue to do my thing. And there's a guardrail out there that I always put my car against. And this guy walks right by the guardrail. I know the end of the story. That's why I'm getting choked up. And so he's right right in front of the guardrail. And I kind of looked up and I looked back down again. And... uh, I, I kind of said to myself, now I know this doesn't sound right. So, God, I don't have time for this. That's what I said internally. Oh, I don't have time for this. And this is what I heard in my spirit. Really? Really? And I looked up again and he looked at me. And then we had eye contact. <clears throat> I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but how many times have you ever tried to avoid eye contact? And, uh, and I looked up at him, and he could just, he stopped, and he, I, I could tell he felt awkward coming over to my car. And so I rolled down the window, and I said, are you okay? He said, yeah, I will be. We began to talk, and he began to tell me about his life. And part of me said, well, maybe I could take him somewhere. <laughs> now, I'm telling, you, I'm telling you, this is the honest to God truth. I looked at him. He looked homeless. He looked like he'd slip in the woods. And he looked really, clothing-wise, looked like, you know, just a guy that slept in the woods. And I'm thinking about my new car that God just gave me. And I know this sounds silly to you. How could you do that? But I did. I'm thinking about my new car, about my new leather seats, and it smells like a new car. And this guy, I could tell already, didn't look right and wasn't even smelling right. But the more I talked to him, the more I knew it was an assignment from God. And as I engaged him in conversation, he began to tell me his story. And it was was really a horrible story, horrible, horrible story. But it it wasn't the real horror part. It was just kind of horrible that I was drawn in. And then I said, well, where do you want to go? And he said, I want to go to Lum. I said, I don't have any money. I said, I don't either. And I said, well, no, that's not true. I got $4. I said, I'm not going to get you far, but I got $4. He 
So I, I gave him $4, and then later on I called Brad. Brad's the guy I send with money. I said, Brad, you got any money? Is the guy at Lums? He'll have a card with my name on it. Give him 40 bucks, but don't do it in front of everybody else because you may have a lot of people that answer to this guy's name if you're flashing 40 bucks. But it wasn't Lums. It was the transitional housing. So I get him in a car, and we're getting ready to go out. I'm praying for him. His, na- his name is David. And uh, then he begins to tell me the rest of the story. How many of you remember Paul Harvey and the rest of the story? He begins to tell me the rest of the story. I've never heard anything like this in my life. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. And I got this guy in my car. I mean, it is really, really bad, bad news. And I got this guy in my car, and I'm thinking, oh, God, what am I going to do? And so as we're driving down to transitional housing, I remember I was trying to ignore this guy. But God had an assignment for me. And my assignment was, I thought, to get ready for Sunday's message, to make sure I had a message, to make sure I had the illustrations, to make sure I had everything right. And this guy was coming to interfere with my plan. I believe that's what happened to the Levite and the, uh, and the uh, priest. I believe they were on the way to, who knows, maybe they're on the way to a service. Maybe they're on the way to a big outreach. Maybe they had a big crusade planned or something. And somebody got in their way who was dying. And the Levite and the priest said, I don't have time for this. And they went to the other side of the road. How many times have we missed God's best by going to the other side of the road? And somebody intersected us along our journey and came into our heart and told us the love of Jesus because they took time for us. I think of Joe Livesey, who is now in heaven, the father uh, of Joe Livesey Jr., who used to come here for a while. He took time to spend with me to tell me I needed Jesus and went out of his way to minister to me and change my life for eternity. We all have that ability. Tell your neighbor, I have that ability. So on the way down there, I'm asking them, and I'm thinking, God, what, what can we do? One thing to send them to me, now what do I do? And I felt like I, I just asked the guy and probe. And uh, so I finally said, isn't there somewhere you can go? And he said, well, I can't go back to this one particular state. I'm barred from that state for life. Uh, he said, but I have a son in California. I said, you do? And he said, yeah. And I said, uh, he said, I said, would you like to go live with your son? <laughs> I hadn't consulted the son yet, but I said, would you, would you like to go live with your son? He said, oh, yeah, I'd love that. And uh, I said, do you have your son's phone number? And he gave me his son, son's phone number. And he said, but, I, but I'm, on, uh, I'm on parole. I said, oh, you are? And he said, yeah. And I said, how long do you have left? Now, I'm sharing all this with you because you have the same opportunities coming your way. God told me through all of this you're going to have a huge influx of hurting people. You're going to have a huge influx of homeless people. You're going to have a huge influx. And, and all of this God was telling me, and, and it was like, God, we're not prepared for that. And I felt like the Lord said, I know. That's why I'm telling you, duh. And this morning, this morning, when we came to church, no, I wasn't here. Pam came, said, uh, said Bill, there's a guy out, out front with a lawn chair and it uh, looks like a van full of, of clothing and uh, personal effects and just sitting in front of the church. And when we finally got here, and is he in this church? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but, but uh, yeah, uh, Brad is taking care of him and Brad's going to minister to him. We're, gl- we're glad you're here. 
but it wasn't the normal start of a Sunday service. Uh, it wasn't the normal start of an Easter service. When somebody said, what are we going to do? We have all of this clothing, all of these personal effects, everything piled up in front of the church. And I asked the guy, I said, well, some guy just brought me here and kind of left me here. And so here I am. What are we going to do with him? Well, I just called Brad again because he's got the money. And I said, Brad, take care of this guy. And so now I don't know who's going to be in charge of this area of ministry, but we're going to have it. We're going to have it. And so as I'm going down there with this guy to, to, to Lums, as you say, I said, well, do you know who your parole officer is? He said, yeah. And now I'm telling you this because what if I had listened to my first thought? How many of you realize you have first responders? I know Ed's a first responder here. How many of you realize you have a first responder and it's not always the right one? Uh, you need to go to the second responder and say, I think my second responder is more yoked with what God wants to do in my life. My first responder wasn't too good that day. And so, so on the way down there, he, I said, well, do you have your parole officer's uh, phone number? And he said, yeah. So he gave me his parole officer's phone number. It's Good Friday. So I called and the office was closed. And yesterday I, I get a call. Saturday from his parole officer. And this just amazes me how God works. His parole officer said, you called me about David, last name. And and he said, uh, I I said, yeah. I said, I have been with him. And he's living in the woods uh, back behind Walmart. And uh, he has a son in uh, California. I'm sorry, I need to change the story just a moment. I called the son first because I figured it'd be better to call him first than to send his dad out and have him arrive and find out, who are you? (laughs) But I called his son, and I said, your dad told me. He said, you know my dad? I said, yeah. He's living on the streets in Lafayette, Indiana. He's living in the woods. He said, my dad? I said, yeah. I said, he'd like to come and live with you. Would you like for him to come? This guy broke, just started sobbing, crying on the phone. He said, I've always wanted my dad to live with me. I said, okay, we'll get him to you as soon as we can. You're okay with it? Yeah, I'm okay. So then the parole officer called me back yesterday. And he said, what can I do for you with David? David?" And, uh, and I told him the story. And he said, we have been trying to get somebody to help this man up there in that Lafayette area. And we haven't had any success at all. What do you need? He's asking me what I need. And I'm thinking, well, glory to God, I don't know. Uh, I guess I need his parole either rebuked and removed or let him go to California. He said, I'll tell you what, I'll put the paperwork in immediately and we'll get it done. In one moment, all of that happened, and it's interrupting my Bible plan. It's it's interrupting. Yeah, let's give the Lord a hand. But I can't tell you of a time I've gone to prepare for a message that I felt better about life and about God and about his assignment. We're called in this church to reach hurting people. This vision is love, acceptance, and forgiveness to reach hurting people. If you're called to reach hurting people, guess what the high probability of God sending you is? Hurting people. Richard, do you mind me telling your story? Richard is back there in the back row. I love Richard. 
So glad you're part of our church. Richard, Richard came in our church one Sunday, walking down the hallway, and he said, I need a bus pass. <laughs> that was our introduction to Richard. And uh, I said, okay. And, uh, you know, your first responder could have been, we look like the bus company. You know, who do you think we are? Second responder would be, sure. Here's the, and I turned to Chris. Chris was walking somewhere. I forget where it was. And I said, she's in charge of bus passes. Fix them up. <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea what form that is. And I could care freaking less. <laughs> it's all been taken care of. <laughs> all, I, <laughs> all I know is we have the ability to get a bus pass. And sometimes, you know, you got money in your pocket. God told me I need to start carrying more money. I never carry money. I carry credit card, but never carry money. need to start carrying more money because you can't give people money if you don't have money. And some people might say, well, how do you know if they're going to live, it, you know, use it right? Well, it's kind of like the guy that went in the night's in. I, I, I had higher expectations for him <laughs> than the $300 church bill. But you know what? It's not going to stop us from helping people. Some people, yeah, we're not giving it to the people per se. We're giving it to God. And when you give to God, you never have a problem. You always, always plant it as a seed. And that's what we do. The Word of God says that love is the greatest gift of all. And, uh, and the, the world is full of hurting people. If you read the papers today, my wife has, has told me for a long time that I need to stay be on Fox News less and read all the news less. I know what she's talking about. Sometimes I can, you know, really get a little bit charged in the wrong way. But the people of the world are wonderful. Uh, been to Russia twice, uh, uh, once with us, and then I've been there second time into Russia. The Russian people are wonderful. Uh, they're just wonderful, sweet, loving, kind. Peter's just like you and I. Uh, it, all of the places that we've ever been, not a lot, but about 10, 15 nations, somewhere around there, the people are all wonderful. Governments aren't, but people are really wonderful because every person was made in the image of God. And that if we are open and receptive to touch people everywhere we go, you have the ability to change someone's life for eternity for eternity, and you may not even know what you did to change that person's life. The Good Samaritan, the example that Jesus gave. Now, I want to give you a definition of love and share this with you because it's, it's so important. And uh, the end of uh, Luke chapter 10, the Good Samaritan, it's uh, verse 37, when Jesus finished up with that uh, lawyer, and told him what you need to do to justify yourself. <clears throat> he basically said, go and do likewise. In other words, go and find your neighbor. Who is your neighbor? My neighbor physically is Matt and Tasha. But my neighbor is anybody on the face of the earth that God brings my way. Does that, does that make sense to you? Wave your hand if you know that makes sense to you. And so when you're driving down the street, and you see a sign that says homeless need money. 
What does the first responder say? You know darn well what the first responder says. There's plenty of jobs around. I wonder if this is a scam. I wonder what, you know, you, you, you sometimes can come up with a negative first responder response. Maybe God wants you to be the person to put $5 in that person's hand and say, God loves you and so do I, and you need to come to Victory Christian Center. Or maybe he'll tell you to put a $20 bill in your hands. Or maybe he'll tell you to put a $50 bill. Or maybe he'll tell you to take them home. I'm not saying just be, be do things that you're not being led by the Holy Spirit. But if you love people unconditionally and you reach out to them, God will send the people around that you need to talk to. And 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I want to give you this scripture here because it's such a powerful scripture. Actually, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 5 because this is contrary to our first responder. In other words, are you going to be a Levite? Are you going to be a... uh, uh, are you going to be a priest or are you going to be a Samaritan? And in Matthew chapter 5, I know you've heard this scripture before, but your DNA is the same as God. It, it is full of love. And, and in verse number 43 of Matthew, it says, You have heard that it's been said that you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Everybody say that. How many of you realize that if you had to look hard enough or maybe not too hard at all, you, would, you have a few enemies? Turn to your neighbor and say, there are probably some people who don't even like you. <laughs> but, it <says> right, <laughs> but it says right here, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you. Isn't your first responder always that? When somebody comes up and says, well, you blankety blank, 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 and your kids are the same way, and your first responder is, I just love you. I just want the best for you. Now, sometimes you've got to go to that second responder. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. To those who hate you. And this is a commandment from Jesus. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. How many of you realize you used to be unjust yourself, but he still sent the rain and he still sent his son while we were still sinners? If you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet your brethren only, meaning all of us right here. How many of you know Richard back there? Richard, how long have you been in our church? Got a relationship with anybody in our church yet? Not yet. Okay, everybody. Richard, can you stand up for a second? Everybody look at Richard. Okay, Richard. Yeah. Okay, sit down. Now, now you can sit down, Richard. Some of you have seen Richard, but nobody's taken him out to lunch yet. Nobody's called him up on the phone yet. He may not have a phone. Buy him a phone. That's what I did with the other guy. There's a guy coming to the next service. We don't have a, a form for that either, do we? we this, this guy... I forgot. He's coming. He's coming to the next service. His name is Terry. Terry. I said, Terry, what can what can we do to help? What can we do to help you? And he said, Buy me a phone. And I thought, Phone, Lord, that's I, I just got an. Pam got an iPhone. What is that iPhone? Oh, there's. No, no, you can get one for forty bucks. No, no, I know. You're you're getting ahead of my message. That's okay. <laughs> an iPhone is uh, 
we talk. Well, yeah, but they're, they're several hundred dollars. So, so my first responder was, buy your phone. Those things, I didn't say this to him, but buy your phone. Those things are expensive. And I, that was my first responder. And, and then I said, what kind of phone? He said, Walmart. I get it for 30 bucks. Oh, that's, my, that's my price range. So, so, so we went, I, I'm thinking of buying a guy a hamburger and he wants a phone. So we ended up in Walmart buying him a phone. And I always got a phone. And, and then what he said to me made so much sense. He said, without a phone, I can't get a job. He's sleeping on the streets, too. And I said, okay, that makes sense. Because here's my first responder on the phone deal. I see all these homeless people with phones. Not all of them, but a lot of them with phones. I said, what do you got a phone for? And then the guy told me, if you don't have a phone, you can't get a job. Duh. I never thought about that. So the homeless person's got to have a phone because they can't get a job. So we get the guy the, the uh the phone, and, and then we, it, we say, oh, I don't want to go too far. Anyway, we ended up getting them out of the streets with a phone and with a job making $400 a week. Glory to God. It all just happened just like that. He thinks, he's never been here. He thinks Victory Christian Center is awesome. Well, I'm telling them they are, but God is more awesome. <laughs> that it's God who is doing this for you. And it's so exciting to see this, that, that the people out there just need what we have. I don't know Richard that well myself, but I know somebody. I, well, I'll get Brad. Brad, take him out to lunch. Brad will take him out to lunch, and God will see where Richard is, because I know Brad's got that in his heart, but I also know all of you have it in your heart, too. And sometimes you're in a comfort zone, and it's like, well, I don't, I don't know about going over here to this guy, because I don't know who he is. Well, you'll never know until you go invade his space and find out. Richard, tell me your story. And then you'll probably start weeping and hear the story because there are a lot of stories out there of brokenhearted people. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. Easter is not about death. Easter is about life. Easter is about resurrection. And we have the ability to resurrect people everywhere we go. And it's never about money. If God sends you somebody, you'll have the money. You'll have the wherewithal to be able to take care of them. Don't ever be concerned about that. And then the one final scripture I want to leave you with here is over in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And sometimes I struggle with doing that. Sometimes my wife would say, sometimes, (laughs) sometimes I struggle with this, but I I love it to read it. It says, love suffers long. It's verse number four. Love suffers long and is kind. Uh, Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, not puffed up. It's not rude. Never seeks its own, is never provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Let's all say that. I love my commentary. My commentary says, love suffers long having patience with imperfect people. Can you say amen? Love is kind and in doing good. Love is kind, active in doing good. Love never envies. It is non-possessive and non-competitive. It actually wants other people to get ahead. It does not parade itself. It's never puffed up. It never is rude. It never seeks its own. It always is looking for other people to have what they want. Love is never provoked, never touchy, never evil. Love never resents. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but finds satisfaction in other people doing better than your doing. It rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. The love of God 
is the most important thing in the world. That's why in Scripture it says that love is the most important gift of all. Love is the most important gift of all. 1 John 4, 8 describes our Father God and said, God is love. Let's all stand to our feet. Let's all say, God is love. And today, no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, God has an assignment for you, and it is to love people. And you'll be driving down the... Now, I know this has happened to all of you, and I know a lot of you have reached out and helped people. I've seen you bring them to church, and you've called the church and said, we've got a person who needs help. I, I know a lot of you are doing this, but I believe we can do more, and I believe God wants us to do more. But you know what I'm talking about. You're driving down the street and you see somebody and you think something and then the first thought you think is the thought that you get rid of and then you think, well, I'm in a, I'm in a hurry. I've got, a, I've got an appointment. I've got to be somewhere. Uh, maybe I should stop and see that person on the bus corner and it's pouring down rain and ask how they're doing or maybe I should call this person. The Holy Spirit quickens you to call a person, but you don't do it because you're busy. I'm busy being busy. One of the things that, and I know maybe as you get a little bit older, this happens to you. I'm tired of being busy. I'm tired of being busy. I want to be productive. I'm tired of just being, going to this appointment or that appointment or doing this thing because it's expected of me. I would rather be touching people's lives and seeing them change for all of eternity. Pastor Stanley over in the Sudan sends his regards. When this church interceded and intervened in his life in 2005, it was absolutely changed. Play the video if you would. We're going to go out with this video and then we're going to pray. This church was active in putting thousands of dollars into that ministry. They are now in Camp Rhino. For those of you that are visiting with us, they are in Camp Rhino, a UN refugee camp. We had to evacuate them out of the South Sudan because of the war through the help of Feed the Hungry other organizations. They are there now living in United Nations tents. Thanks to your giving of $6,000. Everybody say, God's got a lot of money. Thanks to your giving of $6,000, they no longer have to get water out of a truck. They have a well that is pumping fresh water daily. Because of your giving, because of your love, another church heard about it. They're now in the process of finishing the second well for the rest of the camp. They're going to have running water. Yeah, give the Lord a hand. You can never, ever, ever outgive God. And it starts in our own backyard, but it is simultaneous for the world. There is nothing that we cannot do. Nobody that we can't touch with the love of Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? All over this church, I want to ask you the most important question you will ever answer. Do you know if you died today, you'd go to be with Jesus? And if you're here and you're not sure, let this be the moment you give your life to the Lord. Or maybe you're here and you're like a prodigal son, prodigal daughter. You know that you've walked away from the things of God let this be the moment you come home. Don't let another day go by not knowing for sure where you will spend eternity. And if I've described you and you'd say, Pastor, I, I know you've described me. I know I need to give my heart to the Lord. Or maybe it's just, I'm like that prodigal son. I know I need to come back. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand and we're going to pray for you. 
We'll take just a moment. Holy Spirit, you know everybody that's here. Anyone at all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, Father, that would mean that every single person here knows you as their Lord and Savior, have the power of the Holy Spirit resident within their life, that they are on this earth for an assignment to help hurting people, to help heal the brokenhearted by giving them Jesus, by walking in love for all of our people. And I thank you, Lord, that you will give us that ability and that leading of your spirit to reach out and touch the lives of people. Now, before we're dismissed, and my hand is already raised, how many of you believe you could do a better job loving people the way Jesus commanded us to love people and being receptive to the Holy Spirit to reach out to those people when they come across your path. Can I see your hand? Now, Father, you see all of these hands lifted. I believe that we are on assignment and that our first responder can be as a Samaritan or it can be as a Levite or it can be as a priest. So today we acknowledge your Lordship and we ask you to take control of our life. I want you to listen to what I speak and I want you to pray this if it's in your heart as your confession. Lord, anoint me and help me to reach out to people, to love people unconditionally. Help me, Lord, to see people the way you see them. Help me to see their broken heart. And help me to be used to heal that broken heart. I believe I'm on an assignment from you for all of my days on this earth. And that someday I'll stand before you and I will give an account for the life that you've given me. If you'll send them my way, Lord, I'll do whatever you show me to do to show them your love flowing through me. Father, I pray that every single person that spoke that confession didn't do so because of my leading. They did it out of their heart because it is their heart. It is the heart of this ministry to bring love, acceptance, and forgiveness to all people. And we give you the praise, the honor, and the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, let's give the Lord a hand. Tell those people, I love you with the love of the Lord all around you. Go and be blessed.